0: This past week has been rough around my house. We've fought off all kinds of illnesses, and then my wife's dad ended up in the hospital with a serious life-threatening condition. And I want to thank you all again for praying for him, and I appreciate that prayer and your support. And pray for Sherry. She is tired. She's been with him almost 24-7 since Wednesday, and I know she would appreciate you to continue to pray for her strength to be renewed every day as she's there comforting him and caring for him. And one of the things that I've experienced this week related to all this is that I realized how much I missed all of you and how much Sherry missed all of you and how precious you all are and your fellowship is to my family. You're a great source of encouragement, and I praise the Lord for you. And as I was thinking about that, preparing for this sermon I was reminded once again by some strong words, encouraging words from John Bunyan that I think epitomized the way I feel about our fellowship here at Sovereign Grace and makes me want to say amen to what he said. Let me read this quote to you this morning. Church fellowship, when it is healthy and productive, is the glory of the world. No place, no community, no fellowship is decorated. And spangled with such beauties as the church when it's rightly knit together with their head, each lovingly serving one another. And I say amen to Brother Bunyan. You are certainly a a testimony to that kind of love for our family and for one another. And I thank you for being so faithful to that. And I want you to understand that this gathering here this morning is not just something we do Traditionally, we do this because we need it spiritually. I realize that in massive ways this week, just my missing one Sunday, I think I've probably missed five Sundays in eight years here at Sovereign Grace, and each time I'm reminded of how precious you all are to my life and to my faith. And I want you to understand this morning that this gathering of God's people is like no other gathering on earth. It is unique. When forgiven sinners gather to humbly declare God's praise, I want you to understand God is present and he is blessing this holy convocation. And here's how the prophet Isaiah stated that in Isaiah 57:15. He said this, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Church, knowing that, knowing that you are here in the presence of the one who is high and holy and he is here to revive those who are lowly and those who are broken should humble you this morning it should revive your soul this morning when you contemplate this when you recognize that when we gather here on a sunday we are witnessing to the power of the resurrected savior in our lives in this corporate gathering we witness that power every time we gather as god's people and bow to his word that's why hebrews 10 is important to us Hebrews 10:19 to 25 tells us that we should not neglect this gathering. But it goes on even to say more than that. Sometimes we look at the negative and we don't look at the positive affirmations that are here in 19 to 25. This passage actually shows us or gives us three reasons why we should gather together often with God's people. So open your Bibles with me there please this morning. As I read this text to you, Hebrews ten nineteen, the writer of Hebrews begins mid chapter here with this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here in this section of Hebrews, we can see that we should gather together often because because God blesses his people in a very particular and special way when we gather together to do three things that are listed here in this text. Number one, he blesses this gathering when we come together to exalt Christ's accomplishment in verses 19 to 22. And he blesses this gathering when we come together to renew our commitment to God's word and our confession, verse 23. And he blesses this gathering in a special way when we come together to cultivate encouragement among the saints Verses 24 to 25. Let's begin at verse 19 or 19 to 22. And first off, we see here that God will bless us. Now, he'll bless us with some particular things. He'll bless us, first of all, with faith. He'll bless us with faith when we come and gather together to exalt Christ's accomplishments, and when we do so joyfully as forgiven sinners. This text reminds us that we can draw near to a holy God by faith without fear of rejection due to Christ's work on the cross. Look at it again with me. Therefore, brothers It says, when we gather to celebrate Christ's work, we are being blessed by our Father. We are being blessed with what he's describing here as something as described as joyful confidence. Joyful confidence. I don't know about all of you individually. I think I could probably make a guess, though. But before you were converted, there was no joyful confidence to come into the presence of a holy and righteous God. But through the accomplishment of Christ, we can now gather together and enter into the very holy place in heaven because of Christ's accomplishments in our place. Verse 19 tells us why we can have joyful confidence. This confidence is the fruit of God's gift of faith. It's telling us we have this confidence, this ability to trust and enter into this without being Dissolved by God's holiness. Because we have a hope in the gift of faith that God has bestowed upon us. We can come to him now with assurance that we are his children based on the finished work of his son that covers our nakedness, covers our sinfulness. He says in verse 19 that forgiven sinners can have confidence to enter The holy place by the blood of Jesus. How often do you read that verse and just move through the passage so quickly that you don't take it in? You have confidence because of Jesus to enter into this place that you have no right to be. In the very throne room of God, into the presence of the holy God. But it's through the blood of Christ, through Jesus' accomplishment, we are now given access here. Do you hear that when you read this passage? Are you still amazed by that shocking reality that we read right there? Apart from Jesus, there would be no entrance into the presence of God without judgment. But now we have assurance that we are going to be accepted through the beloved. Because of his blood that covers us. Our sin. Let me ask you this. Is your faith strengthened by that? When you come here and gather and sing and hear the word of God, does that strengthen your conviction, strengthen your trust in Jesus' accomplishment? I pray that it does. This is one of the blessings that God has given to us when we gather together often. Verse 19 says that through the Savior's sacrifice, His work, we have this access. And I love that because it doesn't say through the Savior's work and your works. It's not synergism. It's monergism. It's the work of God alone. It says through His work, not our works, not our goodness, not our religious activity, but through Christ's sacrifice, His blood, His work alone, we now have confidence in and faith to enter into God's presence. Churches, we gather together and come into God's presence, even through the song service and through the listening of the word. We are entering into a place that no sinner deserves to be. When we sing praises to our God and they enter into the throne room of God, we are sending out our voice to a place that we don't deserve it to be. The very presence of God. He hears you. He not only hears you, He doesn't just tolerate listening to you. He is pleased with your songs of praise because they are exalting the work of His Son. God doesn't tolerate us. God loves us in Christ. When we gather often and sing His praise, we should be reminded of that. Do not take singing songs Do not take them lightly. Don't take them flippantly. Don't take them as something that we just do routinely. Your voice is being carried into the presence of God and He hears that and He is pleased because He sees in our hearts that we are exalting the work of His Son. And we are able to do that in His very presence without fear or shame because He has accepted us in Christ. And I find this so amazing to me when I stop and really think about it. I I find it amazing because I consider my own sinfulness. I consider my own failures to please Him. And I think, why would He listen to my voice but for the work of Christ? He hears me. There are times I feel unworthy to come before a holy and righteous God, but in Christ I have joyful confidence. I look to Him. And when we come together as a church, God will bless our understanding and our faith. As we do this, the more we exalt Christ's work, the more our faith will be strengthened. The more we'll be able to go into His presence with confidence, knowing that we have this gift of God, this gift of faith that allows us now to rest in Jesus' works. And that confidence is cultivated constantly. When we gather often and it's cultivated by text, even like this in Hebrews nine, go over to Hebrews nine eleven. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I want you to freshly ponder that blessing this morning. Think about this. We are covered by the blood-soaked righteous robes of Christ. How much more access do we need? We have all that we need in Christ to have our consciences cleansed. Our sins have been forgiven. His blood now atoned for us. We can come into His presence with joyful confidence based on this. Go back to Hebrews ten twenty. Hebrews ten twenty tells us how we can have joy, how we can joyfully rather enter into God's holy presence. Notice what it says. We do this by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Let me let me step back and look at that word new for just a second. This is how we joyfully enter into God's holy presence by a new and living way. The word new there speaks of something that is perennially fresh. It's an ever present atonement. It is something that covers us and it never, ever diminishes It never grows old. No matter how many times we fail and fall short, this blood is freshly there covering our sins. And it's by faith in that, faith in Christ's work, that we can come into God's presence. We have unhindered access to God through Christ's sacrifice. This is an astounding reality and promise that's given to us in God's word unhindered access. We need no mediator save Christ. We come immediately into God's presence. And I pray that that truly revives your hearts this morning. And I pray that it makes you want to draw near to God to exalt Christ's work this morning. When we gather together, when we gather with fellow forgiven sinners, and when we sing his praises and exalt his accomplishments, I pray that this truth, as we gather together and celebrate it, draws you closer to God. I pray that you avail yourself to this unhindered access. That's one reason you come and you hear the word being preached and you gather together with the saints. You come here so that you can draw near to God, being renewed in your minds, looking at the reality of what Christ has accomplished for us. You come here with the family of God, with joyful confidence. You come here to share all your needs with God and His people. To share all your fears, all your struggles with sin, knowing that God will hear us and He will cleanse us and He will even work through this body to encourage us to look to the exalted work of Christ that has covered our sins and gives us access into His presence. Verse 21 says we can do this because of Christ's great work. He is a great priest over the house of God. He is the great priest who interceded for us personally. That's why verse 22 says we can now draw near to God by faith and worship God without fear, with full assurance that we will never be rejected. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This verse says that those who have faith in Christ's accomplishment have had their hearts sprinkled clean. Clean, the meaning they have been justified. They have been declared right by God through faith in Jesus' sacrifice alone. Let me ask you this. Do you rejoice in that blessing when you gather with the saints to hear the Word of God preached and to sing His praise? Do you rejoice in the fact that God is blessing you with full assurance of faith in Christ's work that covered your sins? You and I were defiled. Our hearts were filthy. But the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and took our place upon a cross to receive the punishment that we deserved, be treated as we deserve to be treated by a holy and righteous God so that we can come to Him with full assurance of faith, knowing that He has atoned for our sins and given us access to God the Father. We have been Declared righteous by this work. Our hearts have been sprinkled clean. And in that we should rejoice this morning. That is one of the blessings of coming together often with the saints. When we gather weekly, we are reminded and we are revived by this great reality. As we confess that hope in practical ways. Look at verse 23. My second point here. Verse 23 tells us God will bless us not just with faith, but now with hope. When we gather together to renew our hope, our confession, practically. Hebrews ten twenty three. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Verse 23 tells us that our hope in Christ is revived in very practical ways here. It's revived practically by remembering God's promises that are revealed in our confession. And where does our confession come from? Our confession comes from the written revelation of God in His Word about Christ. Look at verse 23 again. He says, hold fast to this. Hold fast to this confession of your hope, your assurance. Hold fast means to cling to Cling to the confession of God's written revelation about Jesus, who he is, what he did, what he's going to do for us even in the future as we look for that great day when he returns to make all things right on this earth. Our hope, he says, or our assurance of drawing near to God is renewed when we practically do this, when we practically gather together as we're doing this morning to listen to the word of promise That comes through biblical revelation, biblical teaching, biblical discipleship. I think that's why verse 23 says that we are to hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering, meaning consistently or continually. How many times do you need to read Hebrews 10 in your lifetime? How many times do you struggle with sin? How many times do you struggle with feeling unworthy to come into God's presence? How many times do you feel neglected? How many times do you need to know that you have been accepted in Christ? How many times do you need to know that you have been forgiven in Christ? How many times do you need to know that you can come into God's presence with joy and celebrate His grace consistently? Let us hold fast. Hold fast means to nail down. It means to nail down or to maintain through constant action. Maintain through constant hearing of the word. That's why we gather week in and week out to hear God's word being proclaimed. We pray every Sunday, every man that fills this pulpit prays that we would increase and that we would decrease rather and Christ would increase. Because we know that preaching is God's hammer that he uses to drive the nail of hope down deep in our souls. The preaching of his word does that. My commentary doesn't do that. My thoughts don't do that. My personal insights don't do that. My subjective feelings don't do that. It's God's word that drives that nail of hope down deep in God's people when we gather together and confess what he has written to us in his revelation. The word confession there is referring to that. It's referring to the profession of what we have placed our faith in, namely the work of Christ as revealed in God's Word through the Word of promise, the Gospel. And that Gospel comes to us weekly when we gather together and we hear about Christ's work as it is declared through preaching and teaching. Now, you can do this at home. And that's glorious. I encourage that every day. Be in God's word. Be fed by the truth daily. That daily bread is necessary. But this is a special and sacred, holy convocation that God has ordained in a special way. He is present blessing this. This is something we would say mystical about our faith. The power of God works through the word of God as it's being declared accurately. Church, when we gather together often under this kind of preaching and teaching, Christ-exalting preaching, exegetical preaching, we learn to confess our faith. This is how your faith gets established. This is how your hope is shored up. Your assurance is made manifest through your confession, what you actually trust in that's written down in God's Word. When you come under the God-ordained preaching of His Word, you learn to confess that we who were once foul and defiled and rejected due to our sins are now accepted by God's grace and his grace alone because Christ was condemned in our place and his blood has washed us clean. Does that, does that shake you this morning in a good way? Does that make you just step back? I mean, think about your sins in the last 24 hours. There are many. I have failed to honor God with all my strength, with all my might, with all my mind. But Christ never failed. Christ was treated the way I should have been treated. Christ lived the life that I could never live. Christ came to give His self a ransom for many to bring us to God. We learn to confess that. We learn to rest in that. Our hope is built in that as we come under the preaching and teaching of His Word. I have nothing new to tell you this morning. I have no new revelation. I have a solid, more sure revelation. That's what I have to give you this morning. And I need that revelation every day, and so do you. As you learn to confess these truths that we see about our salvation, you also learn to confess what God teaches about sanctification. You learn to confess that we now can hate our sins and love righteousness because the Spirit of holiness now dwells in us by God's grace. And you learn to confess that because of that work of the Spirit, now we are equipped, now we are able to take this good news of forgiveness and declare it to others with absolute assurance that it will transform all God's elect. It will change the hearts of those that have faith by God's grace to believe upon Christ. Our confidence, our assurance in that comes from the word of God. Our confidence and our confession of these things, of this reality, is based on what it says in verse 23. The one who promised is faithful. The one who will save to the utmost is faithful faithful through the work of his son we have confidence to declare that he has changed us and that he will change all those that we are able to now witness to that we can now hope in this because God who is promised is faithful to give us assurance that he is actively working in our lives and we magnified through our sanctification church our weekly gathering is where God has chosen to reveal these things Our weekly gatherings where God has chosen to remind us of his promises on a continual basis through the preaching and teaching and training that we receive. But not only that, also through personal edification, personal encouragement among the saints, among God's people. Thirdly, verses 24 to 25 tell us that God will bless us not only with faith and with hope when we gather often, but with love. He will bless us with love when we gather together to cultivate encouragement. Hebrews ten twenty-four to twenty-five, tell us how. Look at that again with me. And let us let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Saints, if if we are drawing near. To exalt Christ's accomplishment corporately. If we come together weekly to do that, I want to promise you this. If you're doing that from your heart, if you're coming together corporately to exalt his finished work, you will long to encourage one another personally. These are the people for whom Christ has died. How could you not? How could you not look at at Sam or at Matt or at at Darren and, and look at these people and go... This is one for whom Christ died, but I'm not going to spend any time encouraging him. No, Jesus took the time to die for them. How could I neglect serving them? You'll want to do it. As you contemplate this great, great gift God has given us. 24 to 25 express that. It says, let us consider how to stimulate, how to love, how to help them do good deeds, how to encourage them. It says, let us think of ways to stir up or prod or provoke good works in one another personally. Out of love and for the glory of God. I mean, when we look around at each other weekly, we come in, we shouldn't just see people sitting on a pew. We should see God's people sitting beside us. We should be excited to be a part of their sanctification, of their encouragement. We are called to stir them up. And if we are first and foremost stirred up by the exalted work of Christ, by this access to God, we should now want to come alongside our brothers and sisters and prop them up, keep them going forward by God's grace, be a part of their lives. God wants to bless the church that does that. He wants to not only bless the church that does that but he also wants to protect the church and that's why he gives us the blessing of his love through this personal encouragement. I believe this gathering is designed by God to be the forge where biblical encouragement and Christ-like love is fashioned. I see that in places like Ephesians 3. Go there with me. Ephesians 3:14. This Gathering is to be the place where where God will forge Christ-like love that will not only bless us, it will protect us. Look what it says here in this passage. Paul tells us that this gathering is where God has ordained that his love would be personally cultivated and made manifest to the world around us. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that, it's the purpose clause, this is why he does this, he strengthens us here, so that Christ may dwell or take up residence in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled or controlled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus Throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The church gathered has this promise that God will be with us. He will bless us with greater faith, greater hope, and greater love so that we can make much of Christ in this world. He is able to do that abundantly, he says here. Now go back with me to Hebrews 10. Back in Hebrews 10, 25, we learn that not only does he bless the church that gathers for this reason with hope, but he also blesses the church through personal encouragement. And he does it in requiring, if you will, or calling us, commanding us to pursue this intensely, continually, regularly. Look what it says, verse 25 Not neglecting, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Personal encouragement, he's telling us here, is is going to be part of the blessing of gathering on a regular basis with God's people. And it's going to need to be done on a regular basis. It should be done regularly, intensely, continually. Regularly because we live in a world that is intensely and continually and regularly against us. We need this consistently. We need one another in the body of Christ. We need this because those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted in this world. We need each other. We need each other in this fight against sin, against discouragement, and against Satan and his power within this world system. That's why verse 25 says personal encouragement and love should increase. He says, do this all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that? It's the day of Christ's return. We need to do this all the more as we see the signs of Christ's coming. And what were the signs going to be? I'm going to show you a few. This day drawing near is spoken of in Scripture in the New Testament in terms of difficulty. This day is described as a place where a time period where difficulty will increase. And the necessity for saints to gather together around the Word of God and exalt Christ's work and come into His presence in humility is going to increase as the pressure increases around us we need to be ready to do this we need to be ready and united in Christ's love to accomplish this because the times are going to be difficult as the day draws near look with me at second Peter chapter 2 passages I'm going to read to you speak about the difficult days that we need to be prepared for by coming together often to hear God's word to encourage one another personally notice these verses I'm going to read to you don't speak primarily about the difficulties of the world coming against us, but the difficulties that are going to come into the visible church as the day draws near. Indicating to me how important it is for us to continually be in God's word, gathering together and establishing our faith and our hope and our assurance in the truth. Because he says this, But false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many, what a frightening word, many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Many who are not gathering to look to the work of Christ and the Word of God and be encouraged by the saints through those means of grace will be caught up in sensuality, the false teaching that comes toward the day of Christ's return. Look with me at Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit keep yourselves in the love of god waiting for the mercy of our lord jesus christ that leads to eternal life what peter was warning about had already begun to arrive even at the time of jude and it's going to increase all the more as the day draws near of christ's return look with me one more place second timothy Second Timothy four, beginning in verse one, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? Well, he tells us in verse three. Who are those who have loved His appearing? But those who are consistently and regularly being brought together with the saints to exalt the work of Christ and to be fed on His Word, they can rejoice at the day that Christ returns. But there will be difficult days before that happens. People will come into the visible church to distort and distract and to take people down a path of no return. We need to be prepared for that. Dark days are being prophesied here by Paul and by Peter and by Jude. The dark days that they're prophesying about, those days are upon us. That means the day of Christ is drawing near. Nearer than it was than their day for sure. Church, as that glorious day draws near, I pray that this gathering, that this gathering right here will become more and more precious and dear To your souls. You need it. I need it. I need this constant washing of the word. This encouragement of the saints. This reminder that we have access to go to God when these days come. When trials come and persecution comes in like a flood. We have an assurance from God that He will hear us. And He will protect His people. His church will stand. Even in the darkness. We need this gathering like no other time in history needed it. And I know that you love to gather together, and I'm thankful for that. I rejoice in that. I rejoice in you. But today, I want you to know and understand that this is not simply a passage of Scripture out of Hebrews 10 that just commands us to show up at church every Sunday. That's not what this is about. It's more than a command just to do that on the negative side. You have to do this. No. He's saying, I want to bless you as you do this. Here's the blessing. It's a blessing given to us by God. and It's given to protect the people of God. It is a gift from God. Do you think about our gathering that way? This is a holy gathering of God's people. He is present with us. Blessing us. And preparing us. And protecting us for the day's ahead we need this protection so that we can stand out in the darkness of our depraved culture and so that we can stand against the compromises within the visible church that are sweeping through our land like a plague within churches we see people embracing sinful lifestyles as normative even ordaining people who live in those lifestyles In our day, we see people redefining the atoning work of Christ. We see people rejecting the authority of God's Word in the visible church. We must stand. And it will be difficult. And if we're not linked together in the love of Christ, we can't stand. We must be linked in His love. I say all that not to worry you this morning, but to encourage you. So let me leave you with one more blessing. That the Lord Jesus promised his church in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew five fourteen to 16. Speaking about his people. Speaking about the church. Jesus says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Saints, Jesus is reminding us here and in Hebrews that a church that does this, a church that's committed to being the light, that church, as they gather, they will want to exalt Christ's atoning death, his accomplishments in salvation. They will want to confess every truth in God's word. And they will want to live that truth out in loving, personal fellowship and encouragement. The church that does all that will be what Jesus said it would be here in Matthew five, fourteen to 16. It will be like a light in the darkness. It will shine like a beacon of hope, like a lighthouse to a sailor lost in a storm because Christ is blessing it. He is protecting it. Since we have assurance of that, we have assurance from our exalted Savior that the church that does this gathers together often to exalt his work, to rejoice in his word, to encourage his people. That church will never be overcome by darkness, but rather it will be a city on a hill and a light that cannot be extinguished. And I want you guys to know this. You are that church. You are that city, that light. And I praise God for every one of you. And I pray this morning that as we gather together weekly, that your faith in Christ's work, your hope, your assurance in God's word, and your love for one another in Christ will increase all the more as the day draws near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are... To be praised today. This is your church. These are your people. You have given your son. To protect us. And to unite us in your love and your grace. And Holy Spirit we thank you for the way you protect us. In this fellowship by washing us in the word. By linking us together with brothers and sisters who want to exalt you. In personal encouragement. And I pray today as the day draws near of your return, Jesus, that we would be more encouraged, more revived, more impassioned to gather together to be equipped to go into the darkness and shine as light in this world. Jesus, we pray that you would come quickly, but until you come, we pray that you would quicken us to be your ambassadors of grace. To speak the truth in love. To encourage your weary saints. And to evangelize the lost. We pray all this, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.